everyone. This is episode 559 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Wednesday, December 5th, 2018. I am your host, Mark Kuznez. Today, I will be talking about, I don't know, that sounded weird, but I will be talking about some This War of Mine, which came out a while ago on all platforms, uh, originally on PC, then probably to PS4, and then Xbox One, or maybe both of those at the same time, but it's a handful of years old, and it just came out on Switch in the complete edition, and I've been playing a little bit of that. It's my first time playing the game, so a lot of you may already be very familiar with the game, and you may just be thinking to yourself, I don't want to hear about this, but uh, if you haven't, look forward to that. I'll also be talking about Override Mech City Brawl, which just came out on, I think, PC, PS4, and Xbox One. I'm playing on Xbox One. It is a uh, mecha versus big monsters and, and maybe other mecha uh, type game. Think War of the Monsters, kind of, but spoilers not as good. But I'll, I'll be getting to that shortly and a few others as well as some more current anime because I am getting busy this season. Holy crap. I don't know what's wrong with me, but... I'm going crazy this season. I'm making up for last season, which was such a stinker. But, yeah. News-wise, I think there were a few things, but I, I don't really remember anything that caught my eye too much. Uh, the Game Awards are happening tomorrow, I think. I think it's Thursday, which will be interesting for any potential surprises in terms of announcements. As far as the awards go and winners, I don't really care. I don't know how many people really care because I don't know, it's kind of expected what's going to win. Um, it would be nice to see some pleasant surprises. I haven't played Celeste, but if that just snuck up and won Game of the Year, that'd be pretty cool. But my Game of the Year isn't even nominated for Game of the Year, that is. Uh, but yeah, it's probably going to be God of War or Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm still unsure how it's going to turn out. Um, but yeah, that will be interesting. And then there's the kind of funny games showcase, whatever the hell it's called happening. I think this weekend, which will have more new announcements. Stuff may leak beforehand and things have already leaked, I guess, but that could be interesting. Um, but yeah, just jump right into what I've been playing. So this war of mine is from... 11-bit studios who recently came out with this year Frostpunk on PC only, I think, which is a dystopian, like, post-apocalyptic, maybe, I'm not sure if it technically is post-apocalyptic, but the world has been, I think, covered, it might be like a new Ice Age going on or whatever, but it is a city-building type of sim where... You build the city around this reactor and you want to fuel it and you're constantly sending people out to go get food and collecting resources from your near environment to make fuel and build shelters and hospitals and what have you. And it's got a very bleak outlook and it's pretty depressing and that is very much like this war of mine. It seems like 11-Bit Studios is very good and very keen on making bleak depressing games and they're they're good at it and in part because their their games 
have a very muted palette, if not uh, completely black and white. Uh, this war of mine is black and white, essentially. I, I don't think they. I think there are like little bits of color with fire or whatnot, but for the most part, it's pretty muted to the the point of almost being black and white. And the way this war of mine works is that it's a side-scrolling game. And you start off in the the main, the classic mode, I think it's called, the, the original version, with three survivors. You might be able to pick between a few, but I've played a few games and I've always ended up with the same ones. But you start in a randomly generated house, so the layout will always be different. And what you do during the day, because you can't go out, it's pretty messy and there's snipers all over the place so you can't leave your house during the day you can when you first start the game you're going to go around the house collecting resources from various things like dressers and cabinets and what have you bits of rubble uh, and after you've done all that you can start building various objects like beds so that you can sleep uh, well overnight a stove so you can cook food, heaters so you can stay warm, and, and all that kind of jazz. And then during the night, you'll go out and scavenge. You'll send one person out to scavenge who you'll control. And then the other persons, the other people at your home can either rest or be on guard duty. Uh, I haven't seen any other option. Uh, so when you're off scavenging, you will be going to various areas around the the world uh, or the world in the game not you're not like flying around places but you'll you'll be going to different places some of which will have inhabitants in them and they could be hostile or not when you when you first start up the game there aren't that many places to go and you're sent to this one place that is pretty much a starter location that won't give you any trouble uh, and doesn't have a lot of things inha uh, inhibiting you from exploring all of it, really. I, th I think there will be a few things that you could open with a lockpick or a crowbar or what have you. But you go around scavenging, collecting food and wood and metals and whatnot so you can build more things or have food to feed yourselves, medication, bandages, etc. Also, when you start off, every one of your characters, one is, one I think is fine and healthy then one always starts off slightly wounded and then one starts off slightly sick um which is great just making it that much more of a pain in the ass it doesn't seem like a game that is designed for you to ever really succeed it's just about surviving as long as you can before the misery of life just gets to you or potentially other people you in uh, you meet in the world uh meet up with you and kill you so when you get out of this sort of tutorial part of the game where it's a lot not easier but it's l much more forgiving because you're not interacting with other humans you will then start going to new places and you might go to a quote-unquote quiet house where an old couple lives and while you're going through their house the old man will follow you the whole time, asking you, "Are you are you with like the the the, the bad? Are you with the bandits? They just come here and like want to hurt us? Uh, or you'll be going through their stuff, and it'll tell you this is private property. 
You can take it because you may need it. But every time he takes something, he's going to be like, why are you taking our stuff? We need that. That That's our stuff. Why are you just taking it? Please don't take it. We, we need it to survive ourselves. And that'll put you into the dilemma, the internal dilemma of should I take this stuff so that me and my people can survive or should I leave it for them and be a good person? The thing that is weird for me in the game is that there doesn't seem to be any kind of real morality system in it. So the only reason not to take this stuff is that you would feel bad about it yourself. There's nothing in game that would hurt you. It doesn't seem like. And as much as I was in this uh, example and, and taking all of this old man stuff and having him follow me plead with me to to stop doing what I was doing. I didn't feel that bad about it because the way the game's set up, if I don't do this, my people are just going to die and the game's going to be over and I have to start all over. I I don't I don't really feel like there's much choice uh in matters like that, which is something I felt with Frostbunk if I'm remembering correctly, is that when you're given these options to take resources from and I was like I I have to do it or the game is literally over. It's not a question of do I want to play good or evil? It's do I want to keep playing or do I want to just start over? And I feel like there's a part in these games that they make that you just hit a brick wall where you have to be evil. You have to be not so nice or you're just screwed and you have to start over and that like with Spec Ops the line, you know, when you're hand is forced into doing stuff that's not that great it doesn't mean that it's not impactful or that it isn't good for the story they're trying to tell or the emotions they're trying to bring out it just doesn't impact me or hit me as hard as i think they're intending it to be um but you can also run into other survivors who are of your ilk and they have weapons and they don't want you messing with their stuff and they might at first be like just get out of here. Uh, we don't want to hurt you. And you can choose to fight them and take their stuff or just leave. And that is where the game runs into a bit of a problem because the fighting is very clunky and it feels not great at all. In part because the controls themselves are just clunky. So to go into combat mode, though, if somebody attacks you, you automatically go into combat mode. I think you press left or right or maybe it's down or up on the d-pad well what is the d-pad on the 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 switch uh, at least in, in handheld mode um and you just go back and forth sort of it just it's sort of it's not turn-based combat but it just sort of is set up where when you're doing an action they can't counter anything it doesn't seem like so it feels often like just keep rapidly pressing the button and hope that you get your action in before the AI gets an action in and you could take them down repeatedly without them getting even a single hit on you. But it, it doesn't feel that great, really, um, which is a, a bit annoying. But you can run into these things and you can run into much more hostile bandits who will just uh, kill you at first sight. They're not even going to question you. You can run into the army and, and a scenario, for example, where a woman was scavenging and there was an army man who was talking to her 
and you could look through the people and see them and, and hear their conversation. And he's just saying, hey, you want to help? or Do you want some help? And more and more uh, as their conversation is progressing, he's getting more and more aggressive. And clearly, he's not going to take no for an answer. After a certain point, he's going to start getting frustrated. So do you ignore that and just scavenge around the house and let what happens happens? I, I, I don't know what would have progressed, how far it would have gotten, because, of course, I interrupted that. I'm like, no, 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 no. And then, you know, he killed me. And that was my first playthrough. I only had one person left who was severely depressed, slightly sick, maybe a little wounded, very hungry. And I was like, I'm not, why am I even going to bother? He's dead. There's no point in even playing anymore. So I started a new one. And that's the one I'm currently on, which I'm still doing. I'm like in my second week now. Um, but it's, it, it, I, I like it. And I feel like it's a, a good game to play in bite-sized chunks so it's good for the switch specifically in handheld mode as a portable game but i don't know it's it's not grabbing me as much as i thought it might and i know some people really loved it uh, there also is because it's a complete edition with all the dlc or what i i believe is all the dlc so there's the war stories mode as well which i i jumped into and that just seemed like the same game, but with more specific stories tied to them. But only one is unlocked in the beginning. The other two are listed as coming soon, which I assume means I have to play through the first one and get to a point in it to unlock the second one. If not, it seems weird that it's a complete edition and it has two things as coming soon. And they're probably never coming, given that this game is like four years old. But it's, you know... It's interesting. Um, it's very bleak. It's not a happy game. So if you're if you're wanting a game to escape from our wonderful reality, if you live in the states, how how delightful things have been lately. Uh, this war of mine is you can't get much brighter. You think Super Mario Odyssey is bright and shiny and very colorful and light and fluffy. <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey looks like Schindler's List to this is war, this war of mine. I'm, of course, joking 100%. This war of mine is like Schindler's List, you know, because they're both black and white, and they're depressing. But, you know, there's hope in Schindler's List, because he saved some, and he could have saved more. If he only sold his car, he could have saved more. But they're, they're that, I don't know. I just I just ran into a wall myself right there. Um, the other game I've been playing a bit of is Override. Mecha City Brawl? City Mecha Brawl? Mech City Brawl. Mecha City Brawl. Mech City Brawl. I don't think there's an A on the title. Um, I think it's Mecha City. I think it's Mech City Brawl. I'm pretty sure. But uh, I've been playing that a bit on the old Xbox and I was super excited for this game because I loved War of the Monsters, which originally came out on PS2. I don't think it ever came out on anything else because it was a, what is the name of that studio? I think it was the same studio that did Downhill Domination, fantastic game, and Twisted Metal Black, uh, Jaffe's old studio, I think. Um, but I could be wrong. It's like I something, right? Uh... 
but override is okay but my biggest issue with it is with the controls the way it works is that you control one of i think 12 or 16 mechs that are in the game and more will be coming soon there's like a season pass and they have local versus and online versus i didn't really mess with that too much i did one match which was fun but there's also a arcade mode, which is the story mode. It's, it's weird. It's like arcade mode. You click through it, and then it's like story. So why isn't it just story mode and it just starts right there from the menu? Um, but the way that works is you have – there's a lot of story, and I started ignoring it very quickly. I wish I could just skip it all instead of having to press A constantly to just skip through all these bits of dialogue because it, it wasn't interesting at all. It wasn't funny. It wasn't – it's just whatever. It's just in the way from me playing the game but you go to these various environments uh, real life environments and take on hordes of monsters and in some cases you will fight other mechs which is pretty fun because those last a little bit longer but the way it controls is that the bumpers are your left and right punch and the triggers are your left and right kick then you can jump with a you can do a little dash with b you hold X and then press one of your attacks to do a special move. And then Y is a shield. It just feels a bit excessive. I wish it was more I wish it was more simplified. And there I guess is a way for two or three or maybe even four people to control one mech together. I don't I'm assuming it's with multiple controllers. But that just sounds terrible. That sounds like a friggin' nightmare. Um But I really like the aesthetic. I like the look of it. And it's fun going through these environments where you just... You're, you're really large. War of the Monsters, you are still small-ish. Um, you are somewhere like a little bigger than the size of monsters in Rampage. Um, so you can climb on top of buildings. But in Override, buildings, you just walk right through them. And they come crumbling down. So it's pretty cool when you first start a match. But... After a little while, you'll look at the environment like, well, everything's been destroyed, so now it's a pretty flat plain. And some of the environments like Egypt are pretty bare to begin with and aren't that exciting and, and aren't really that colorful, but more of the cities like uh, Tokyo and I don't, I don't remember what city it is in the U.S., but in the States um, uh, and stuff like that are, are fun to... to play around in initially and then you know of course you destroy it all and then it's not all as uh much fun but the combat despite being a bit more complicated than i would like is fun uh because it's just enjoyable to smash monsters around in these environments and in the story mode you will go through these missions and they will give you some kind of reward uh they'll give you research points that you can use to upgrade your mech uh, weapon mods to have. So when you have weapons in the game, what's weird is that you can you can slot them and they will randomly pop up in the map, in the environment when you're playing a match. You don't take them in with you. They're just, you can put in, I think, up to four when you've unlocked all the spots. And then they'll just randomly show up in the environment. Um, you can also unlock mods for your mech which will give you bonuses for having full health the attack bonuses or every attack an enemy does to you will be bounced back to them a percentage of it 
it's 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 not bad, but I really wish it controlled a bit differently. And I wish, I, or I just wish there there was a, a different option, like a like a casual simplified option or something, in the way you have with like sports games or whatnot where like in NHL they have you can use the whatever the the stick what is that called like stick motion stick controls or whatever full motion I don't know but then you can play it with like NHL 94 controls where it's very simplified I wish there was something like that but the way it works where everything is its own uh has its own input it gets a little funky and doing any action uh, will take up a bit of power and you can't overheat and have to wait a little bit. But it looks real good and it runs well. Um, I'm enjoying it to a point, but it's, it's like a, it's a solid seven, six, seven, somewhere in there. I have to play more because I've only played it about an hour or so. But I the the problem I have with it too is that I feel like it's going to get pretty old fast. I'm enjoying it now because I haven't had a fill for that that thing I've been missing since War of the Monsters, which I, I love that game so much, and this is the closest game to that that I can think of since then. I'm I'm sure there have probably been some things, but. I can't think of anything. I mean, there was a Pacific Rim game that was absolute garbage. I think there was a Godzilla game that was also pretty crappy. So this is competent. It, you know, it's solid. And, you know, the the monster designs are pretty cool. I like, I mean, some of the monsters are especially awesome to look at. And the mech designs are pretty nice. You can unlock skins for them, and some of them are ridiculous. You can turn one into, like, a pizza delivery boy. Um... He's not humanoid or anything. He just dresses like a pizza delivery person and has a little pizza hat on and stupid helmet. But it, it's 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 not too bad. And then I had a dentist appointment yesterday, and I was dreading it as I do with every dentist appointment because I have terrible teeth. And I left with no cavities. This is the first time I've had two cleanings in a row with no cavities since I don't know when. Years and years and years, over five years probably, I think maybe, because my my teeth are just naturally shitty, no matter what I do. But I've been even more vigorously cleaning them and taking care of them uh, over the last three months or whatever since my cleaning, because I'm on a three month schedule. Even with three months between cleanings, I still have shit every single time. And to give you an example, or just to let you know how bad my teeth are. I don't know if I've hit double digits yet because I'm too I'm too afraid to actually ask the dentist for my full stats, but I may very well have double digits uh, in terms of crowns. If you don't know what crowns are, good for you and go to hell, you piece of crap. You know, I I have an uncle who didn't go to the dentist for I think over a decade. And he drinks Coke and eats sweets all the time. And he never flosses. And he had like one cavity when he finally went to the dentist a few years ago. And that really pissed me off. Because I brush all the time. I floss all the time. And it's still a nightmare. The dentist is the most depressing thing. Like I was, I was not feeling great yesterday morning. And even when I come out and I don't have anything wrong, I'm like... 
this is such a relief, but I, I still feel so exhausted from the dread I was feeling before then. But after I left, I felt like I should treat myself. I'm so happy. I don't have any cavities or any issues. And I get to go another three months without going to the dentist, which I just hate doing. I mean, dentists are fine people. It's just it's a nightmare for me. I was like, maybe I'll buy Just Cause 4. And then I thought to myself, I own Just Cause 3. I barely played Just Cause 3. Why would I go out and buy the new one when I barely played the last one? I should just play that one, right? Makes sense. And also, Just Cause 4. I don't want to say this because it's not... It's not that I want it to happen, but it probably won't sell that well and will go on sale sooner than later. So it might be a game I could get for 30 bucks half price uh, relatively quickly. So why not wait? And I jumped back into it and I was having some fun with it. I mean, it's it's fun to just mess around. It, it, the thing about Just Cause 3 is that a lot of people had issues with it in terms of performance and slowdown and stuff like that. I didn't have any when I jumped back into it. I don't remember having much of that when I played it before, but that was only two, three hours. And I played about an hour and a half more, I think. And I was enjoying it. Um, I do really want to play the new one because... I'm not a fan of the shooting, and I know the fourth one is finally added left stick to left triggered iron sights, which I just I want every shooter on consoles to use that control scheme. I, I know that for some people they want developers to be able to experiment and to try different things and not be forced into using a certain control scheme for uh, uh, any kind of genre because that limits creativity or what have you but i think when something works as well as left triggered left triggered iron sights just do it because it feels so good that's why it's used by so many games so many shooters it feels good and knowing that just cause 4 has that uh because i believe it has that based on the interview on the latest game informer show i am uh, more excited for that game than I was even before. Um, but Just Cause 3 is still solid. Um, the driving still sucks. That's what got me to quit the game earlier is that I was so dead set on getting a gold or whatever for some driving challenge and the driving feels like shit in it that I just bailed and never went back. I was like, forget it. If I can't get this stupid challenge... Uh, then I'm just not even going to bother with the rest of the game, which is stupid on my part. It's a stupid reason to stop playing the game. But, uh, da, da, da. yeah, I played a, a little bit of that. And then I didn't play any of these, but some more games were added to Xbox One backward compatibility. And one of them I'm very, very, very excited about. Not that I will be going back to it anytime soon, but the fact that it's there for more people to maybe go back and, and return to uh, being one of my favorite games of last gen the darkness has finally come out on uh backward compatibility and i adore that game so much it is i don't know if, was it starbreeze cuz I, I forget if that's the same like it's the same company that did chronicles of riddick and went on to do what was that other one? Was it Blue? Not Singularity. 
something that people like that I never got around to. And it wasn't body count, but I think it was in that space. It like came out around those. Um, but I love the darkness and had a fantastic story, fantastic setting. It got me interested in that comic, and I ended up reading the first few trays, which I enjoyed. It's not the greatest thing, but the game was really great um, and has some really wonderful moments. The moment on the couch with your girlfriend is so wonderful. Um, and I'm happy that it's on backward compatibility. And then in addition to that, they also came out with uh, the Bureau, XCOM Declassified or whatever the exact title is, which was a meh shooter as far as I can remember, both critically and from what I can remember myself playing. And Duke Nukem Forever, which is everyone's favorite game of last gen, but is, is cool regardless of how shitty it is as just being this thing that no one thought would ever come out and then it came out. It does, you know, it may not be great, but it happened. And the nice thing about them, all three of those games, is that they're currently on sale for three ninety nine. The regular price is twenty bucks, so you can pick them all up. You don't have to pick them all up, but you should pick up the Darkness for four bucks a piece, and then play them on your Xbox One, which is nice. I really like it when they put games on sale when they're added to backward compatibility. I wish that it was. Something that happened across the board every single time because I'm still waiting and hoping that the digital versions of the Earth Defense Force games that have hit backward compatibility will go on sale at some point because I want to buy them all and just have them on there. I want to play them, but I don't want to put the disc in, so put them on sale. But I don't know if those games will ever go on sale because they're so minuscule in terms of how many people really care? And where's the new one? Why isn't that here yet? I want to play that. But that's pretty much all I've been playing of note. Uh, Anime-wise, I am continuing to play catch-up, of course. I started watching Bloom Into You on High Dive, which I'm going to have a, a little tangent about High Dive, uh, which is to say that it's still... It's still considered in beta, so that's that. But it is just an absolute mess of a service still. I, I guess their their iOS app was removed because of adult content, which doesn't make sense since Netflix and Funimation, Crunchyroll, they all have adult content on them. I mean, uh, the comparison to Funimation and Crunchmore is more apt, given that they're other anime services. Um, I don't know if they don't show those things on iOS, if you can't access like the uncensored version of, say, Freezing, or on Crunchyroll, the uncensored version of My Future Wife is the Student Council President, whatever that stupid short was. But, you know, there are nipples in those series that you can see. Um in both those services, and they still have apps. Netflix, of course, has R-rated movies, TV shows that have nipples in them. So it seems a bit weird that that's the case, but it still didn't work that well when it existed. And when I tried watching on the on the Firefox app, uh, just via that, 
the subtitles were all screwed up. If I was watching it in the small window, they would be humongous. If I blew up and did full screen for the video, it would be really, really tiny and on the top of the screen. And, and at first I thought the, the subtitles just weren't showing up, but they were. They were just really, really tiny and really hard to see because they kind of blended in with everything. But, uh, yeah, it's just a bit of a mess, and I don't know. It's it's annoying. So it's it's it just means that I'm limited in how I watch it to basically. I mean, I think there's an Xbox app that I could use, but I'm mostly just going to watch it on my computer, so it limits when I could actually watch it. So I've only watched three episodes of In Into Bloom, Bloom Into You, not Into Bloom, Bloom Into You, which is a Yuri series, and it's not bad so far. The art is, I, I think the the art style is not bad. I, I like the character designs well enough, but animation-wise, it's pretty lacking. There's not a lot going on. There are a few cool moments in the second episode where the older girl kissed uh, the other girl for the first time at the train tracks. She did it as the train was coming by, and they did like a, a still frame of both of their faces and their expressions, get a little bit of dialogue, and then it would snap in and like sort of speed up, and you'd see their hair blow in the wind and like petals and whatnot, and that was a really cool shot. But outside of that, I can't think of anything else that really stood out, uh, and, and a lot of it is pretty static with not a lot of movement or anything going on, which is annoying at times but in a series like this uh i don't find it to be as problematic like for instance with food wars which the last season was really bad and and how little animation there was and given that series i I want more from it i want food wars to have animation on par or or even just like half as good as my hair academia but that last season was a mess but you know it's a it's a story about a young girl who doesn't really know if she feels anything uh, for anyone is capable of feeling anything close to love or anything for another person and then she meets this older girl who is i think uh, i think she's just a second year and she's or she's going to be a third year i don't know but um she meets her and she is sort of the same way. She rejects everyone who's ever she's ever uh, met, not met, but who's ever come out and you know asked to go out with her, whether it be a boy or a girl. She's rejected them all, so she feels like, oh, she's sort of like me. But then she tells her, oh, you know, I think I'm falling in love with you, which seems really abrupt and way too quick for that to happen, but. The, the the other girl, the younger one, still doesn't feel anything. And I, I think it's an interesting story, a love story, and, and how it's looking at love through the eyes of someone who wants to be able to feel that way, but is currently not capable of it and doesn't know if they will be. They don't know if they're able to because that was true for me, very much so. Um my first relationship it was it was very much so kind of like a learning experience and just i don't know exactly if this is right or not and 
it became clear that in that case and in both of my relationships that the person I was with liked a version of me or liked the idea of me and not actually me. They liked the fact that I'm a nice guy and I'm different from what, from who they've dated before. And I never felt what I thought I should feel for them. Uh, but then I met another young woman who I was, it was like in Logan at the, at the end where, where he dies spoilers. If he's still haven't seen it, that's your fault. But when he dies and says, you know, so this is what it feels like, uh, this particular young lady showed me finally what it feels like. And it didn't amount to anything. Um, but I have many great memories from the very short time we had together. We were never in a relationship or anything, but we went out a good amount of times over the short period of time. Um, and it's, it's a very complicated thing. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I have a lot of wonderful memories from that moment. And what I love so much about that time is that it, it made me realize that I am capable of that. I am capable of feeling strongly for another person, uh, that I, you know, may one day find another person who I can feel that strongly for. Um, I don't know because I've, I've been on dates since and whatnot and never felt anything. <laughs> so like my biggest fear in life is that I'll only feel that way about her, which would suck. Um, but she's still a very good friend. Um, so yeah, which isn't, it's not weird for me to still have her as a friend and see her, you know, every now and again. That got weirdly personal, I feel like. But who cares? She doesn't watch or listen to this, so it doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, and and the, the, the one thing that was like the first time that, do you just keep continue getting personal, that I really loved so much was that when we f went out for the first time after she told me she liked me and I told her I liked her, blah, 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 blah. Um, we went to this open mic and then when we left, we first stopped at a McDonald's uh, and she got an ice cream cone. And we were talking about McDonald's and other stuff, but, she, you know, we were talking about McDonald's and how, you know what, I don't really eat McDonald's or fast food or whatever. And I don't really like McDonald's, but they do have my most favorite thing of any fast food place, which is the sausage biscuit with egg. And she was like, oh, she loves it too. And it was like one of the a handful of moments where it's like we both feel the exact same way. We have like this one very specific thing in common, which is just super weird. But it was in January. And when I was walking her home, we're walking down the middle of the street, light flurries coming down and just walking next to each other. And then after a little while, she put her arm, like my hands were in my pocket of my coat. And she put her arm between my arm and my body, whatever the hell you call that area, and just walked together for a little bit. And I remember thinking in that moment, I wish this 
road could just go on forever because I wanted to be in that moment for longer than I knew I would. Because I, I just love that moment so much. Because that was like, this is that was the moment where it was first like, this is what it is supposed to feel like. This feels right. Whereas in my actual relationships, it never felt right. It felt like me wanting to do it because I just, I, I, I love love so much that I want to find it. But yeah, that's not how it works. It has to happen naturally. You can't force anything to happen. Jesus Christ. Where the hell was that going? This is a long episode. Other than blooming to you, I have been watching the running show Run With the Wind, I believe it's called. Yeah, Run With the Wind on Crunchyroll, which is another sports anime about a track and field team at a college, which is running, and they're made up of a bunch of people who have never really run before. Some have run a few of them, but it's okay. Uh, I think it's really weird that they have this one person who's really into manga who looks like he runs slower than he walks and has seemingly gained no uh, stamina or anything or any kind of ability over the course of nine episodes, which is ridiculous. But um, it's not bad. Some pretty good animation. A, a large cast of characters. There's ten of them who live in this little dormitory and are part of the team. And so far, I've been enjoying it. Um, yeah, I just, it was one of the shows that I watched at the beginning of the season. I was like, I don't need to watch any more sports on me. And then since I've caught up with so many other things, I'm like, what the fuck? I don't care. I'm just going to watch this too. Who cares? And it's pretty good. It's another solid seven. This is the season of sevens. Um, with a few exceptions that are uh, much better. Like, I really like... Rascal does not dream of bunny girl senpai, and then that Kakuru Circus, and that time I got reincarnated slime is pretty good too. That might be the, the the real standouts for me. I also started watching, and I'm all caught up with Golden Kamui, which is the second season, and I still really like that show. But I continue to have the same problem I had with the first season, which I think it is tonally really really weird in how it fails to blend serious uh, dramatic moments and comedic moments it has a really juvenile sense of humor uh the, the one anui girl really likes this one big guy who she refers to as dick senpai and there was this other little boy who's following this other guy and his name means something but it also means to get an erection so he calls him boner and it's like boner that's a good name there's so many dick jokes in the show there might have been some ball things going on too. It's just really weird. And there were some parts where they're just all getting all super naked. And then they took some food from some animal that made them all get all sensual and sexy. It's like some aphrodisiac thing. And it's just, I think the humor is really weird for this series because there was one episode that follows basically the backstory of this. One character who I really like. I like his character a lot. And that entire episode was very serious about him and how he got to where he was in Lieutenant, whatever his name's, Army, um, where his sister married a friend. And then 
the sister died, the, the entire house burned down, and he saw that she was actually stabbed through the heart, and it was with that friend's knife, and he ran away. So he's been on this quest to find that friend to get revenge. And it's following the story, and then he eventually finds him uh, as he joined the army to to get to this friend who also joined the army. And a grenade or whatnot, or a, a Russian who was the opposing force, was running at them with bombs strapped to his body, and he sacrificed himself, the friend. And he, with his dying breaths, couldn't see, his eyes were all bloody, um, told this random soldier he didn't know was this person he knew who was the, the brother of his, uh, of his late wife, um, told them what actually happened, that she had uh, gotten smallpox, and that she asked to, you know, be left and, and killed and not to be, not to let the family or the village know because if they did, the entire family would be shunned and, and whatnot. So he kept that secret and was just trying to atone for it this whole time. And it was a very moving episode. I really enjoyed that episode. And it reminded me of how I, I wish Golden Kamui just played it straight the whole time because I think at its best it's at its best when it's playing it straight the comedy can be funny at times but it feels so weird for the story it just it feels so out of place but the fact that it's in there so much it also feels in place because it is just a part of the show but when we get these episodes that are more serious overall I'm just like I wish this was the thing the whole time but um yeah I think that's a good place to end this episode, which went way long and got a little personal at times. But once again, I am your host, Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox Live, my anime list, Steam, Twitch, and all the usual places at PX Sausage on PSN. I am the Kush3. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast and Attack the Backlog, which are all available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you'd like to check out some of my art, but first, before that, if you want to watch video versions of this here podcast and Attack the Backlog, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage and check both of them out over there. I highly recommend watching the video version of Attack the Backlog because that is the best way to watch it. But if you also would like to check out some of my art, you can go over to pxsart.com. And if you see something you like, click the link. It'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy supporting the site in general and everything we do, you can go over to Patreon. Patreon. Pay, 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 pay. Patreon.com slash pxs. That sounded weird. Patreon dot com slash pxs every time i say pxs it sounds like in excess in my head and then i just feel like telling you that i need you tonight i need you tonight to support us on patreon dot com slash pxs anywho that is it and that is all i will now say bye bye